Did you know that it was on June 30th, 1905, that a very young Albert Einstein first published a paper in a German physics journal that outlined the beginnings of his theory of relativity? I know, amazing, right? 1905, June 30th, all those years ago, and scientists and researchers all over the world are still working today to confirm parts of it, to still study parts of it. And you know what? In fact, an international group of scientists has actually made this week a groundbreaking discovery. And they did this by kind of harnessing and using the Milky Way as an antenna to detect the first evidence of low-frequency gravitational waves. And yes, that was also part of the theory of relativity. And you know what? There's a local connection to this. A lot of work on this being done by researchers at UBC. Let's find out more about that. Catherine Crowder joins us now, PhD candidate at the UBC's Department of Physics and Astronomy. Catherine, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, tell me about this work. Like, how You were part of this team of research. What did UBC, what was the role here? Um, so I think there's a few steps that goes into getting to this place. Um, so you have these gravitational waves, right? So ripples in the fabric of space-time itself. Um, and as you say, they're predicted by Einstein. They come from a few different sources. Um, one of them is supermassive black holes. So if you have a galaxy, it has a super black hole, massive black hole at the center. When those merge, they end up circling each other and sending out these ripples. Uh, but what we see is not just ripples from one thing, it's ripples from many things. Uh, so we're detecting these ripples in space-time. And space-time is hard to measure. <laughs> you can't just uh, think, say, oh, I think this piece of space over here is stretching. Let me get out my ruler and measure it. Because um, the ruler itself is also stretching. Uh, so we use this trick. We use this wonderful gift from nature, uh, these things called pulsars. Uh, they're what happens when massive stars reach the end of their life and go supernova. Sometimes, if you get lucky, uh, you're left with a pulsar, something that they're absolutely incredible. They're one and a half times the mass of our sun, squished into the size of Vancouver from about you know the island to the North Shore, and some of them rotate faster than a blender. Um, but Faster than a blender. Time, yeah, right? Isn't that incredible? Yeah. <laughs> like one and a half times the mass of your sun going faster than the blender in your kitchen. First of all, Catherine, I love your enthusiasm for this. <laughs> like, you clearly are very passionate about it. But what's amazing to me as well is that we have all this technology in the modern day and we are mm -hmm. still working to confirm and talk about the theories of Albert Einstein who wrote them, you know, 120 years ago. Yeah. They're incredible. Like, we're still working on them, as you say. So these gravitational waves, as they stretch and squish space-time, etc., they're effectively really, really, really small. So it's kind of like the width of the Earth changing by the size of a virus. Uh, so some of it is that gravity is a really weak force, and so you need uh, measurements uh, to confirm it that are really, really hard to take. <laughs> right. So essentially what it's saying is, to put this in like lay people's terms, is that gravity is not a smooth thing. This is like a, mm -hmm. a bumpy field and there's all sorts of movement happening in there. Yeah, exactly. And we're trying to, um, we're finding evidence for, yeah, that movement. And what's really cool is that, uh, so we do it measuring these pulsars. Right? And by comparing its effect on different pulsars across the sky, you kind of see the signature 
of how the gravitational waves were moving. And uh, the gravitational waves, according to Einstein, move in a certain way. Uh, I mean, we're seeing evidence for them, so Einstein was already correct again. Diego Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so, how is my question? <laughs> like, what was he looking at to come up with these thoughts when it's take? you just explained to us the complicated process of kind of confirming that? He was just thinking about it, right? He was just coming up with experiments in his head and kind of logicking it out. It is absolutely incredible. <laughs> uh, Einstein was able to theorize and predict so much uh, from, yeah, just doing Amazing. thought experiments. Amazing. Okay, so where does this go from here? Now that we've we found this, what next? So we're just like starting to see the signature. Uh, as time goes on, we'll get to see it better and better. And as we combine our efforts with groups around the world, we can do that too. So what we have at the moment is evidence for you know, Einstein. But there are some alternate theories of gravity too. And what they say is basically Einstein with a little something extra, you know, a little special source. Um, and they imprint a different signature. So in the future, we'll be able to put limits on those or, you know, maybe find a hint of one of those too. Like maybe we've reached the limits of what Einstein's relativity can tell us or maybe it continues on for some time still. (laughs) Okay. And so what does it take to take those next steps though? Like it's researchers again all over the world, but we are talking some high powered telescopes too, aren't we? We are like the some of the largest telescopes in the world. <laughs> and also it takes a lot of time. Uh, we're measuring low frequency gravita- gravitational waves. So those are really slow. Like our, the first point in our data set comes from 2004. Like what were you doing in 2004? <laughs> I have um, no idea. I cannot remember right. back that far. <laughs> right? It's a really long term thing to detect these things. Uh, luckily, we don't need another 15 years. Uh, now that we have that baseline, we just need to keep going and our results get better and better. Okay. So now that we know this, that there are there's waves that kind of are ripples in the fabric of the universe that kind of warp space-time, what does all that mean to us? Um, on a kind of everyday level, honestly, not that much. <laughs> like, you're not going to feel it. You're not going to feel it stretching you or squishing here. Um, but I mean, in the future, who knows, right? Um, this is the first, uh, like, a while ago, um, another experiment found the first detection of gravitational waves uh, at really high frequencies. And we're now just finding this one at lower frequencies. Uh, there's a whole lot of space to fill in there, uh, kind of like in visible light and the optical spectrum. We have, you know, what you can see, then you have x-rays, and you have radio waves and all of this. Uh, so we need to like, fill in that spectrum, and that can tell us so much more. And then, you know, who knows what we can do? If you want to tinker with gravitational waves or make a time machine or something, you have to be able to <laughs> see the thing first, right? <laughs> I love the way you just throw the time machine thing in there. because <laughs> One of my friends asked me. <laughs> oh, okay. Because you never know. And Are these the kinds of questions that keep you fascinated and interested in all this? Absolutely. Like, I find it mind-blowing that this is, a thing that we can't really see. We have like this window into the universe that we haven't got before and who knows what we can do with it. (laughs) Exactly. Catherine, thank you so much for that today. Thanks for having me. (laughs)